Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. Let's welcome in the host of our show, Greg Carrasco. Greg, thank you for your patience this morning. I know it's been uh, <laughs> a little frustrating, to say the least. You know, the the, the reality is that, uh, you know, success, you know, a, a big part of it comes to how you deal with crisis, how, how you deal with stressful situations. And, uh, you know, technical difficulties are something that are just out of everybody's hands. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we are going old school now. So we are old calling in. Yeah, we're going calling in the, in the show and see, and see what happens. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is that I don't know um, whether we are throwing the baby out with the bathwater with these new restrictions that we have in the city. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of friends that own businesses, uh, restaurants and whatnot in the city. Some of them that just opened. I have a, a good friend of mine that just opened an Egyptian uh, restaurant right on uh, on the King and Spadina area, and they're going to have to shut down. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty terrifying. I, and I, I'm yet to understand. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been associated with the fitness industry as well as the car industry for a very, very long time. And uh, I have a couple of my friends that own gyms. One of them uh, is the one that bought my, my old CrossFit gym in, in Mississauga, Full Metal CrossFit. Uh, Dennis, he will be calling on the show in a couple of minutes. And also a, a good friend of mine, Alex Siberi, that owns um, Element CrossFit here also in Mississauga. They'll be, they'll be calling the show. Um, Ken, I, I'm stressing out for these people. Um, I don't know if this is the right approach. I mean, what happens when you start taking away the ability for people to provide for themselves? So you take away these people's livelihood. I know that we're taking, you know, health official opinions into consideration. What, but what about the economy? What about the financial officials? What about the economic, um, you know, the economy officials? What, what are their opinions in relation to what's happening uh, in the city right now with the pandemic? And just because of a bunch of irresponsible nincompoops, you know, we are going to have to shut down the, uh, you know, an entire segment. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. Like it is uh, irresponsible nincompoops, as uh, as you like to call them. But that that's the problem with a situation like this. Is in large part the onus comes onto the general population to follow the guidelines put in place by healthcare officials and by government officials for the well-being of everybody. I just feel like at a certain point, everybody just got completely tired of. Everybody just got completely tired of following of the pandemic, to be honest. It's like you get six months, seven months into this thing, and all of a sudden, people just don't want to stay in anymore. They don't want to not go out for a drink on Friday night. They just get tired of following all the regulations that got us to where we were in the first place. Listen, I, I also get tired of following the speed limit, but I know that if I go over 120, I'm going to get a big ticket. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a lot of things that I get tired of. I, I get tired of going to work. I get tired of getting up. I get tired of so many different things. That that's it. You know, an excuse is not a reason. And uh, it, it, it's very important that uh, that we start looking at our society uh, from from an independent standpoint. I mean, at what point? Um, we are making the decisions for adults. At one point, are we are treating our entire society as a bunch of grown babies in which they need to be, they need to be ruled, they need to be restricted, they need to be, uh, you know, encaged because they cannot make uh, decisions by themselves. And I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I, I wish I would have some, you know, officials calling the show this morning in order for me to have an, you know, an active discussion in relation as to what is the actual scientific justification of what's happening right now. And uh, do we have a guest on the line? Yes, we do, actually. Let's welcome in Alex, uh, one of the guests that you had just mentioned. Alex, welcome to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Alex. Hi, thank you so much man? for having me. Hey, Greg. How are you? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not good, and I'll tell you why I'm not good. I, um, I got up pretty early this morning, and uh, I, I read your heartfelt post on Facebook. And, you know, from, I, 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 the, the reason why I follow you is because I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for you and for what you're doing, for what you stand. And uh, what you wrote this morning, it just it, it hit me hard. And I'll tell you why it hit me hard. When, when, whenever the government takes on the responsibility of making the decisions for the, for the, for the population by and large, it's when, when you need to start questioning what the motives are. And I think that a lot of these health decisions have been politicized. And uh, people like yourself that do, do nothing other than just contribute and benefit the community have to shut down your businesses for no reason. Um, I, I felt for you this morning, and uh, after I read it, I said, I need to get Alex on the show, and I'm so happy that you took the time to call in this morning, Alex. Can you tell the, the listeners here on, on, here on TSN 1050 who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, so my name's Alex. I own uh, Element CrossFit. We uh, operate in Mississauga, about a kilometer and a half from, uh, in, we're in Peel Region, we're about a kilometer and a half out of Fulton Region, which is not affected by these closures. Um, and we've been operating for 12 years. Um, you know, with the first shutdown, um, I think just like everyone else, we were, you know, we were totally on board. We're doing this for the greater health of, you know, every single person being a good citizen. And now this time around, it just seemed like um, they kept talking about how they, they, you know, Ford was saying this just this week, how they're not going to close without data. Show me the data. And all of a sudden yesterday they spring this on us, closing us with no data, no, no reasons given. They just, you know, targeted the restaurant and the gym industries. Um, and it, to me, the frustrating part is what world do we live in where the government's able to close um, industries, put over 60,000 people out of work before on Thanksgiving weekend without giving rational explanation, fact-based data reasons for doing so. And uh, it, how, I mean, this is, this is going to have a severe effect on your business. Um, how are you, are you able to sustain and to stay uh, operational and viable through, through these times, Alex? I mean, uh, you know, uh, my other good friend, Dennis Dorish, who owns Full Metal CrossFit down on Dixie and Eglinton, is going through the exact same situation. How are you dealing with this right now? We're honestly, we're really lucky, and we're more blessed than most. Um, through the first shutdown, we have, we kept about 80% of our members as we pivoted to doing online training and uh, personal customization of workout plans. We lent out our equipment. Um, you know, we just basically pivoted uh, and just tried to do whatever we could, and most of our members stuck with us. 
Um, we're lucky in the in that fact that you know across the gym has a really big sense of community, and most people know realize that they needed to stay with us and support us, and you know by paying their fees to make sure that we came out the other side of this and still existed as a business. Um, what frustrates me is that there's a lot of other businesses, um, you know, independent fitness and restaurant industries that don't have that same benefit. Um, and my frustrations for them because the independent fitness and independent restaurant world is really um, a larger part of the economy than people think. And there's a lot of people that are going to be absolutely ruined by this. Um, I'm lucky to have, again, a great community and a great team, but not everyone has it. There's a lot of independent owner-operators doing this whole thing by themselves, and I can't even begin to imagine um, how they're going to be faced, how they're going to handle a second shutdown in just six months. So, you know, this is a utopia. Uh, you, you run for office. You get elected. Uh, you are an, an elected official, Alex. How would you have handled the situation? I think you just need to look first at what each region actually needs and where the actual outbreaks are coming from and address this that way. I think this whole idea that the only way that we're going to get out of this is through severe government intervention and just large-scale shutdowns of industries based on the category that they fall in is totally misguided and it's just the lazy way out. And what I mean by that is if you're looking at the guidelines, what they gave to reopen, we were operating well above what the government gave in terms of guidelines because they didn't have industry-specific guidelines to run. They just had numbers. You need to put this many people in a room. I don't think that's enough. And if they want to actually, um, I think what I wrote in my rant this morning is the goal of the government in that whole shutdown to buy time, to study the virus, to do all those kinds of things was should have been to find ways to operate and coexist during the pandemic and make sure that we are able to keep working with some reasonable restrictions in place and not have to shut down. And I think that's the one big thing that they missed. And that's the one thing that I would do. And I think that any person, especially if they own a business, they're totally on board. No one here wants to run a business and spread COVID and have people die and have it spread to at-risk populations. No one's asking for that. Everyone's just asking for help us operate despite the pandemic. And no one's you know, doing that. One of the things that you said this morning on, on what you wrote was that you know, the government had one job which was to figure out how to deal with this so we didn't have to go through it again. And like I said to Ken earlier, just because of a bunch of irresponsible idiots that we have some outbreaks out you know, around the city, and I, keep, I don't know why the, the city of Brampton keeps coming up on this, Ken. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, it seems like the part, you know, Brampton is a different country these days. They're just partying life away. And uh, it, the outbreaks seem to be centralized in certain areas, and I don't think the government is taking enough action against those specific outbreaks. And in, in the process, we are punishing the business community, and the business community is suffering right now. And, you know, Alex, what scares me more than anything is that, you know, having, you know, I come from Chile, you know, we, we came out of a communist regime, we went into a military dictatorship, and... Uh, Whenever you are living off of subsidies, you see, uh, there, is a, there is a giant misunderstanding. The government doesn't have money. The government is not an enterprise. The, the government does not generate revenue. The government is a revenue redistribution system. So in order for them to pay for anything, they have to take it away from someone first. And, you know, the problem with this is that at some point we are going to run out of other people's monies to pay for these subsidies. And we as a society are going to end up paying a tremendous amount of tax burden that a lot of people are not taking into consideration. Why? 
because there was a very small number of people that are the industrious ones, the, the ones that are producing the income, the ones that are producing the revenue. And those are the very people that are getting affected by this, uh, by this shutdown. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And the thing is, most entrepreneurs that I've talked to, no one wants money from the government. Like we we're don't. taking it because we need it, but none of us want money. We'll work to make our money. But the problem is you're not letting us work, and you're not even let, giving us guidelines in which to do it. You're just saying, oh, we've got to shut down. Here's some money, and uh, don't worry. You'll be fine. You know, don't complain. And the thing is, all these other people just calling for outright shutdowns, you can totally tell, are people who are typically you know, paid by the government and don't understand what it's like to actually be revenue-generating in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis. And the thing is, you need to understand where these people are coming from, because I think a lot of people underestimate how many people the entrepreneurial sector employs. It's, it's a tremendous number of people. Look at us at, at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We employed over 100 people. That's 100 families that we provide you know, income for, for them to pay the bills and, and, and to actually feed their families. And these are the people that are going to be affected. Now, I, to be honest with you, I, I find myself lost these days. Um, you know, this, this whole pandemic, this whole elections, this whole shutdown, this whole irresponsible behavior is, is making me lose a tremendous amount of faith in society. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to tell you this morning, Alex, that, that I feel for you guys. And, uh, you know, just like we are in the fitness industry, uh, every single martial arts school is shutting down in Peel as well, isn't it? Is it not? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure everything has to shut down. I mean, again, this is the other frustration. As they said, gyms and fitness centers, but there's a whole bunch of you know, legalese that comes out when they actually pass the legislation and they're going to pass it, you know, they're going to post it on the website a day or two later. Um, so I'm assuming they're going to be closed as well, but some places get to be open as training centers. It's still so, you know, so murky again. So why is it that gyms are closed and not churches? And that's exactly the thing. If this thing is actually about spreading, stopping the spread, as they say, you would think any sort of place where people are gathering, why can I go to a shopping mall, but no, not go work out? Um, you know, like what, what are the defining differences here? And again, this is where the data comes in. Again, I don't, I don't think anyone here is looking to say we want to operate despite overwhelming evidence that this is dangerous. It's the fact is there's no evidence. And when things aren't, I mean, I think it's just earlier this week, uh, Mayor Bonnie Crombie was saying that, um, you know, the spread of COVID-19 in Mississauga isn't coming from gyms and restaurants. It's coming from workplaces, banquet halls, weddings, private social gatherings. So she said exactly where it's coming from. They're tracing it back there. But what did they do about those things? Nothing. I mean, they Absolutely re- nothing restricted because banquet we... halls a little bit, but they're not doing much with workplaces. Hey, listen, you know, so long as you're not shutting down a six reveal party, then everything is okay, right? <laughs> right. That's exactly it. They're focusing you know, on the real issues. Alex, I, I, I thank you. I thank you for putting that on Facebook this morning. I wanted to speak to you. And uh, I will call you after the, uh, the the show is over, so we can that we can talk a little bit more and see how you can come on the show a little bit more often and, and talk about this. But um, that is Alex Sibirid, everybody. Uh, he is the owner of Element CrossFit in Mississauga. It's a good friend of mine, Alex. Thank you so much and good luck with this, man. I really I really appreciate you calling the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, no problem, man. Ken, this is um this is terrifying stuff. The fitness community Thanks, is among the worst affected by this. And even before the new restrictions got put into place, I know a multitude of people that had already canceled their gym memberships. They were looking for other ways to stay physically fit, whether it was taking classes at home or buying exercise equipment from home. Uh, I know I took up cycling over the summer to keep my regiment outside and was from a safe distance from people. But as we move into the winter, 
those options are going to get more and more limited. So this is a time where the fitness community really could have bounced back and had a little bit of a resurgence and have people start to go to those gyms again because options are going to start be taken away from them. And with the new restrictions in place, that's obviously not going to happen now. No, no, it's not going to happen. And, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, apparently based on what I've read, the, the, this virus affects, you know, the er- elderly and the out-of-shape people in, in far greater numbers than it does just a, a regular, young, fit person. And uh, you want to make an entire social you know, population unhealthy, you know, shut down fitness facilities. But, because I can tell you, many people do not have the motivation to, to work out at home. And, you know, myself included. I have a little tiny gym in the house. Guess what? I don't feel the motivation to do it by myself. Yeah. There is something that has to do with, you know, us in exchanging, you know, energy with other people that want to do the exact same. Do we have another call yep. on the line? Uh, Who do no, we have? No, we don't. Well, we're getting, uh, we're going to actually go to break shortly here. So we'll get to some calls perhaps in the next segment. Do we have Money Mike joining us at uh, yes, 11 o'clock today? Yes, we do. Yeah, uh, Money Mike is, is in the house. We're going to have to find a way to include him into the uh, this, you know, going old school with the uh, with the regular phone lines. But uh, what I can tell you is this: that um, I, I feel for you, and uh, I, my friend Dennis from Full Metal CrossFit. Hopefully, he's going to call us back after Money Mike is uh, is on the show, and we're going to we're going to address interesting things in, in the next hour. So, folks, uh, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. If you want to weigh in, if you want to talk to us, if you have an opinion on whatever we're talking about today, call us, 416-870-1050. Or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And don't forget, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no-commission salespeople. Let's take a small break, Ken, and uh, we'll be right back. What a crazy, crazy hour that was. It's amazing how technical difficulties can test your temper, your temperance, your temperament. What do you think about that, Ken? <laughs> hey, listen, it's uh, not the most ideal of circumstances, but like you said, uh, when you face adversity, it says a lot about the individual. And this is these are the sort of unexpected bumps in the road that just happen sometimes. And also just one of the difficulties that we face during the pandemic and not being able to do the show from in studio where everything's hardwired and we can communicate much more easily when we're doing everything remotely and through Zoom calls and by that nature, it makes it all the more difficult to sort out these situations in a fast manner. So thank you for to the audience for their patience and thank you for your patience this morning, Greg. And glad that we're able to figure something out, at least for the duration of the morning. And excited to have Mike join us here shortly. Yeah, Mike. Uh, Money Mike is going to be with us on the show and uh, he's going to talk to us about a bunch of different things. But, you know, before we, we go any further, I, I, there's something that I need to share with the audience that's, that's pretty important. Um, you know, as, as everybody knows, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And we, uh, there's a couple of things that are going on at this store, and I couldn't tell you in the last hour, is that the $19 oil change is back for the entire month of October. So any brand, it doesn't matter where you live, you can come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and you can get an oil change for $19. I'm not joking. This This is... An unbeatable offer is $19 for an oil change. And on top of that, we will include a free-of-charge multi-point inspection. So you bring the vehicle in, we're going to do an oil change for you, and we're going to do a multi-point inspection for you. No questions asked. Now, if you come in and you get an oil change out of Oakville Nissan, 
We will also include the following. Are you listening to this, Ken? I'm listening. We, we are going to include a free tire swap. So if you have winter tires, you can bring it in to Oakville Nissan, and we're going to do a free tire swap. And on top of that, we are going to include one full year of free tire storage. I, I'm going to repeat this, folks, because this is unprecedented. You have never heard this coming out of any dealership in Ontario ever. You come in. You do an oil change. We will do a, tw- a tire swap for you, no charge. And on top of that, we will include for you one full year of tire storage. So if you have those winter tires laying around in your garage and you have no room and those things are pretty heavy and you don't want to be moving them around when the time comes, you can store them at Oakville Nissan, and we will do it for free for one full year for you. And, you know, if that doesn't make people say, oh, you know, maybe I should come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and give this guy a chance to service my vehicle, because right now you really have no reason to go and service this, your vehicle, anywhere else. Um, that's pretty impressive, guys. But yeah, enough of the card thing. We are going to talk to Money Mike. Money Mike, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I, I've uh, been listening to the trials and tribulations that started out the day and think, yep, yep, it's still 2020. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I'm going to get the T-shirt, man. I am going to have a T-shirt that says, I survived 2020, although we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. It's no. still something that we're working on. But uh, just when you think that the worst of the, uh, of the year is over, um, then you get into presidential debates, presidential <laughs> debates. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the fly on Mike Pence's head? Oh, dude, man. Oh, my I, goodness. Uh, and, and, you know, the worst part about it is that after all of that, you know, all that content, which was just a disaster to begin with, you know, that's the one thing that people had to talk about, a fly. Yeah. Are you serious? Unbelievable. Is, is that the only thing that you got out of the debate that day? It was just insane. But, uh, you know, I'm super happy to have you here, Mike, and uh, – how was your week? <laughs> you know, it's it's been, it, it, as always, it continues to be a busy time, you know, despite all of the, the changes that are forced on us in this new environment in 2020. I would have thought we would have completed all the, the changes and updates to, to allow for all these um, sort of external forces that are causing us to do business in different ways, and yet there are still plenty of changes we still have to do. So we remain busy uh, largely administratively. Uh, thankfully, the markets haven't given us uh, too much to to have to uh, react to. So uh, we're focusing on a lot of administrative work these days, and it's keeping us very busy. Very how busy. you know? Speaking of the markets, how are the markets yeah. doing these days? Because uh, you know, I, I keep thinking of you know COVID nineteen and, uh, and and the elections in the U.S. How is that affecting the markets? How how is the market doing right now? Well, the markets remain very volatile, and I think largely because people's emotions are very volatile. So, you know, you you look back to, I can't even remember if it was last week or the week before, you know, Trump comes out and says, I'm not going to negotiate any further relief package. We're going to focus on the election. And the markets go in a tizzy. And then he comes out and goes, oh, well, I didn't intend for that to happen. Oh, I'm willing to sign off on uh, on a... independent bill that's just about relief to make sure that the American people can be supported in this time and the markets recover. Everybody seems to be hanging on by their fingernails, waiting for 
any sort of news to tell them what to do and whether positive or negative the markets are reacting more volatilely than normal. And, and I think that's just the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. You know, that's interesting. And for those of you folks that are just joining the, uh, the Carrasco show, uh, the, our guest today is Money Mike. Money Mike is my personal financial advisor. And, uh, you know, his advice has gotten me through some pretty interesting times. And, you know, finally, I convinced him to come on the show and, and, and share his, uh, uh, you know, wealth of knowledge with you, no pun intended. Uh, but at the same time, he, Mike specializes on, you know, high net worth clients and people that, uh, you know, need some additional help in, in, in planning. You know, how are you looking at uh, retiring? What, what, is, what is your idea? How are, you, how are you planning to do this in the future? Or are you thinking about it? Um, now, you know, when, when it comes to retirement, it's something that we talk about often here on the show, Mike. Sure. Um, you know, is this COVID thing affecting the way that people look at retirement and, and what the plans are? Do you, you feel that people are changing their approach to, uh, to this planning? Well, I, I'm, I wouldn't say that they're changing how they approach the planning, but I think what it's doing is it's making them realize there are external forces that will affect their plan. COVID has mm -hmm. absolutely affected the economy. It's affected the markets, and they have to adapt to that. So people are, are, my clients are asking me, how has the pandemic affected my plan? Am I still on course to my retirement? Or if they're already retired, what do I need to do to protect my plan through this uncertainty to make sure I, I get to stay retired and that I get to enjoy my lifestyle? So it's not that they're approaching retirement planning differently, but they are acknowledging it can be affected. So, you know, here... Here's a question for you because, um, you know, it's something that I struggle with and uh, I'm sure that as my listeners are listening to you right now and, you know, just like many of them, they don't even have a financial advisor that will, they will talk to this about. Um, how, how much is enough? That's not question number one. And I know that this is going to be a, a long format answer to this because I, I'm sure. sure that there are no easy answers for this. And the second part of that question is that how do I figure that out? So, you know, question number one, how much is enough? And second, how do I figure that out? So if, I, if I'm ever planning on, you know, stop working, uh, right? help guide me through this. Okay. So, you know, I, I think those are important questions to ask. And that's one of the things that causes the majority of, uh, of your listeners who, who call us up after the show, uh, you know, that is the question that is chief of mind. And that's the start of that retirement planning process is to determine how much is enough. You know, I, I used to, I guess I still do to some extent, when I sit down with a couple for the first time, virtually in today's environment, and I, I ask them about the retirement decision, mm -hmm. I, I would ask them about how are you approaching it? And because some people, it is a number. It is a question of how much is enough, whether it be from a wealth standpoint or a cash flow standpoint, you know, how much income do they need? People tend to make the retirement decision on one of two bases, either when I can achieve a certain level of income and, and support a certain lifestyle, I will retire. And for other people, sometimes it's a time frame. You know, I have, I have dealt with um, people who work in the steel industry or, or the car industry uh, who, you know, stay with their employer for decades. And for some of them, they have a, a time period in mind. When I'm 60, I want to retire. When I hit 
you know, 40 years of service, that's when my pension will be maximized, then I'll retire. So, you know, there's a lot of different decisions that can, or or, excuse me, a a different criteria that people identify as this is the thing that's going to cause me to retire. But how much is enough, I think, is the most important question. Because I, I, whether you're, you've got an age in mind or a years of service with a company, if you can't support your lifestyle, you can't retire. So how much is enough is a very personal question. As I've tried to say to people over the years, there is no cookie cutter, one, fit, one size fits all approach. I can't say, here's what your neighbor has done to prepare for retirement, and that's what you should do as well. Because everybody's expectations are different. I presume that you don't live in Oakville, man. You know, my neighbor has a Mercedes. Maybe I should get the same. You know, it's something that happens. You know, this is completely um, unrelated to the topic of conversation, and you're going to hate me for this, Mike. But one of the the beauties of... uh, doing the show from home, and uh, I, I, I'm not sure if Ken has ever gone through this, but uh, as I'm talking to Mike about some really important things, I'm, I'm folding my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, I know, Greg, man, we men are not good at multitasking, so what's going on? <laughs> Listen, I, maybe I'm changing. I don't know. Maybe I'm embracing a different side of my, a different stage of my life. But, you know, so going back to this personal aspect of this, uh, of this decision, yeah. Now, how do I figure this out? Because, I mean, as personal as, as this is, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to use some sort of marker, some sort of benchmark in order for me to even start thinking about how much is enough and, and, and to figure it out. Is it a formula? Is a, you know, what, what tools do I have? I mean, other than calling you, of course, mm-hmm. um, what tools do I have to figure this out? Well, the average person doesn't. I mean, the, the process that I follow with my clients, they could do on their own. Don't get me wrong. This, this is not necessarily rocket science. For me, it's just about uh, experience. But most people don't have the tools necessary to benchmark, and that's what they do. They look at their neighbor and they say, well, you know what? He and I work at the same company. We make about a, the same amount of money, and he's retiring this fall. So maybe I should be retiring too. And, and if you benchmark externally, then, you know, it's, it's the thing. We've had this conversation before. It's, it's, it's like drugs. I'm sick, so I'm going to take the same prescription my neighbor did because, you know, he had basically the same sickness, and he got better with that medication. Oh, you and, know how many people do self-medication when it comes to financial planning, Mike? It's absolutely true, and and it's so dangerous. So I'm not a fan of benchmarking because benchmarking says I want to compare well to others. And, in fact, that's what a lot of people used to say to me when, again, early in the relationship, you know, when we first dig into their, their current financial situation and identify where they are, they would say something to me like, well, how am I doing? You know, relative to other people my age, am I doing well? And that's exactly what it's saying is I want to benchmark myself against my peers. So uh, I, you know, I want some sort of external validation. You know, and that external validation is a real thing. I mean, peer pressure, social mm-hmm. pressure, socioeconomical pressure, especially if you 
belong to a group of friends that happen to do well, and uh, okay. you you don't want to be left behind. And this is something that happens often in the process of keeping up with the Joneses. That there is mm-hmm. a lot of irresponsible decisions that we make in the process, and and, right. and this is one of the reasons why it's so important to have. A powerful tool like a, a good financial advisor to guide you through the process. Um, you know, for those of you that are just joining the show, folks, uh, Money Mike is in the house. Money Mike is my personal financial advisor, and uh, you know, and, and he probably should be yours. So if you don't have someone that is helping you through your, um, you know, estate planning, your retirement planning, you should probably call him after the show. His number is 905-320-6762, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. Uh, over the last couple of years that he's been with me on the show, he's been able to help hundreds of my listeners to achieve their financial goal or at least to put them on the right path for them to, you know, have at some point that freedom of moving on and uh, and, and having the choice. You see, you know, for me, somebody asked me the other day, Greg, how do you define wealth? <laughs> for me, it's choice. You know, I yeah. want to have the possibility, the ability, I want to have the power of making that choice. And, uh, you know, in, in the process of learning how to manage my finances and, and dealing with a, with a financial planner, with a financial advisor that has your best interests at heart, because that's one of the things that I, I found with Mike, that you, you're more of a behavioral planner as opposed to just a financial planner. You know, in, in this whole idea of benchmarking against yourself is not something that is very well understood. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that as to, you know, what your own individual parameters should take precedent over comparing yourself with someone else? Well, for sure. But first, I want to say I do appreciate the comment you just made that, um, you know, a lot of times, especially when I deal with business owners, uh, a lot of professions, some people have no intention of retiring. And so it's not necessarily a retirement planning conversation, but what it is about is how do I build enough wealth that I can achieve financial independence, that I don't need to work anymore, I'm choosing to. The family is going to be well supported by what I've built up, and now I'm doing this just because I enjoy it or it's my, my passion, my life's mission, whatever it may be. I need something to do every day. I don't plan on retiring. So don't talk to me about retirement planning. So it is, it is about building wealth to achieve financial independence, ultimately. Um, well, but sorry to interrupt you, Mike. Yeah, no, you know, please. The, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, sometimes when you take too long to make a decision, the decision will be made for you by chance or circumstance. Yeah. So, you know, if you, you know, let's say that you are one of those crazy workaholics like I am, and I don't see myself ever retiring, although I I do see myself at some point within the next 10 or so years to be in a position in which I will have the power to choose, um, you know, at some point, you you know, you may get sick. You know, something may happen in your life in in which you can say, oh, man, I wanted to stay working, but I can't. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you and I talked about that, that a, an article that came out in the last half dozen years said in that given year that the article was written, 31% of people retired not by their own choice. That's a pretty high number. Yeah. And that was now, you know, just that year specific. But anyway, exactly to your point, sometimes retirement is forced upon us. It, it is forced upon us. And uh, now... When, when you are in the process of planning and trying to determine what you need, you know, right. a couple of questions that I have for you and that many people don't understand in, in, in the process of retirement, 
where does the income come from? Where does the money come from when you retire? Let's say that you <laughs> that you decide to retire, you know, next year. Right. Um, you know, traditionally, where do you see that money come from for the average Canadian? Okay, so I, I'm going to make that question too. Let's back up to your first question: How do I benchmark myself? Mm-hmm. How do how do I determine how much I need or what I need? And then we'll talk about where does it come from. Okay. So, how much do I need has to start with what is your expected lifestyle? How do you want to live? Uh, everybody is different. When, I, when people say to me, you know, when I get to retirement, I'm going to travel more. Great. What does that mean to you? And I could set five couples all of the same age in a room or even five individuals um, and ask them, what does travel mean? And here's the spectrum I will hear. Oh, we like to go camping. We have an RV. So we, we hit a few provincial campsites. Uh, every year, and, and uh, that's we spend an X number of weeks. That's what we're going to do. And then I hear, well, you know what? We want to fly south for a couple of weeks, or we want to spend a couple of months in the U.S. during the winter. And then I hear, well, we like to spend five to six weeks of the year traveling the world. We want to go to Europe. We want to go to Southeast Asia. We want to do a Viking cruise that's going to cost us $20,000. It's travel is different for everybody. So, so that's what, yeah. it, it absolutely is. So again, I retired the same time my neighbor did and found out his intention was to go to camping a few weekends every summer. And my intention was to go to Europe. I'm not prepared. So we, the benchmarking has to start with how do you see your lifestyle in retirement? How are you going to spend that time? And, and what is that going to cost? You know, I've, I've referenced this before to say that people looked at uh, people's spending habits. And this is before online was as big as it is, and now we can shop 24 hours a day. Uh-huh. But back in the day, the most expensive day of the week in a family's budget was Saturday. That's when all the shopping happened. We spent the most amount of money in our lives on Saturdays. When you retire, every day is Saturday. <laughs> and now with with online shopping, every minute of the day is Saturday. You can spend money anytime you want. So how are you planning on spending your time in retirement and what is that going to cost? And only once I know your expectation can we start the conversation of how do we benchmark if we're on track to do that? And you know, the second part of that is where does the income come from? This is, uh, you know, now I'm glad that you touched on it because uh, uh, I have started to dabble on online shopping, and it's a terrible thing. Is it, what does that mean? What does that mean? Sorry, audience, I'm going to have to delve into some uh, some therapy for Greg here. What does that mean you've been delving into online shopping? Like you're training yourself for something? You're, you're testing out if you like it? What does that mean? Well, you know, is how – all right. You know, during during Christmas times, we've all seen the ad. You know, don't put it on credit, put it on Interact. You know, because you just yeah. tap and off you go, right? Yeah. But it it is amazing how, as a society, we are getting so severely conditioned and desensitized on the value of money. Yes. Uh, you know, right now, I mean, you know, first it was credit. You can just put it on credit, credit, credit. You know, don't worry about the interest. You know, I'll look after that. You know, and it's amazing how people were able to manage and budget once they got to the top end of the credit card limit, right? <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, then then we got into interact. So now tap. 
you can tap, tap, tap it. And this has got nothing to do with a song. It's got to do with your bank account. So, <laughs> so now you can literally tap something and make money disappear from your bank account. But the most terrifying thing is that, you know, with online shopping, you don't have to do a thing. You don't feel a thing. You can generate immediate and massive amounts of personal gratification on shopping therapy without you ever knowing the impact that you're having on your finances. Now, yeah. you got to remember that these this generations are going to retire at some point, and these habits are not going to be broken as you get older. In fact, they're going to get crystallized to the point that this is just the way life is going to be. So when you, when you speak about how do you define what you want to do in the future is probably one of the most important and overlooked things when it comes to behavior that we have as a society in relation to our retirement. Because now yeah. you're going to have to fill your time in with something. What is yeah. that something going to be? And, and so I would, what I would suggest to people is stop with the sort of cookie-cutter expectation. When I talk to people about what they plan on doing in retirement, they'll say things like, we're going to travel more, or I'm going to volunteer. But those are the first two things out of the vast majority of people's minds. Uh, so what I would suggest to you is take a look at how you're living now. And I would, I would expect, to a large extent, you're going to live the same way in retirement that you do today. If you are not traveling now, when you get to you know, 20 years from now, when you're in your 60s, you're not going to all of a sudden add an exercise or an activity that you're just not comfortable and used to doing. You, yeah, you, you do almost have to train yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think people's lifestyles stay fairly similar. If you like traveling, then you're doing it now, and you want to continue to do it in retirement. Volunteering. Um, you know, there are some people who've never volunteered because their family and their work keeps them busy, and they do. They jump right in to volunteering for different organizations once they retire. But I would say more often than not, if you're not volunteering now, you're not going to do it then. Um, so you're right. It is the most important part of the exercise and sometimes the most difficult part for someone to say, what do I want to do? Uh, I mean, I can help them figure out what that's going to cost, but what you want to do in retirement uh, is is a very critical part. The, the biggest insight to that is what are you doing now? You know, folks, if you are just tuning into the radio show, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show with my friend Ken Stapen, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and our guest this morning is Money Mike. Money Mike is a behavioral financial advisor that you know, specializes on managing people with high net worth. And if you need some guidance in your state planning and your uh, retirement planning, you need to give him a call after the show. Not right now because we're live. 905-320-6762. It's his direct line. In, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. That is moneymike.ca. Ken, let's take a small break. And uh, we're going to continue to, uh, you know, to dissect this whole process of retiring and how uh, you know, society and culture and everything that's happening today is affecting people's behavior when it comes to their retirement ideas. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. This is the Greg Carrasco show here, folks. And, um, you know, through the trials and tribulations of broadcasting from home, we are, you know, we're pushing forward. We are we're making it happen. The, um, the, the interesting thing is that somehow, uh, you know, through understanding what's happening in, in the marketplace today and uh, 
um, you know, how your, your financial future looks in, 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 on paper, we are still victims of outside forces. You know, Mike, how is COVID affecting all of this? Because now, uh, you know, people are losing their jobs. People are shutting companies down. You know, how this must be creating a, a terrible headache for you as a, uh, as a financial advisor, no? Well, it's again, it's all over the the map on how it's affecting society, just as people are seeing in their day to day lives, right? There, there are certain industries or or employment that is recession proof that's been unaffected by this because they're you know whatever their essential services or um, their doctors, they are. Um, working in industries that, you know, something like a technology that's actually increased their workflow in, in this environment. So there are some clients who've been completely unaffected, uh, some who have seen a huge boon to their incomes, and it's helping out their financial situation. Of well, course, there's if, the if, other if, side of that coin where people have their businesses shut down. If you, uh, you know, if you live in Ottawa and you work for the government, you have been completely immune to... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, it, it seems like a good career choice. I, I, I never really thought about that before. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's a conservative uh, choice that's uh, pretty pretty stable through all the ups and downs. You sure. know, it, it, and I have to share this with you folks because um, I don't think that many people understand how this is has an actually affect the national, you know, e- e- economy. Um, you know, doing the shutdown, um, April, May, and June. Um, you know, the entire country was in complete pandemonium. Sales have dropped 90%. And somehow there were two areas that never went down. In fact, the sales were going up. <laughs> One was Ottawa. <laughs> the other was yeah. Montreal. And then we started to investigate why is this happening. Oh, because the government towns. Ah, I yeah, see. Yeah. I see. No, nobody was uh, laid off. Nobody was unemployed. But I mean... Sorry, folks, I digress. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny. There are certain recession-proof areas that you think are recession-proof that have been affected. So, you know, doctors actually went through, and maybe I can't speak universally about them, some of them went through periods where they were having fewer billable hours because they were closing down their offices, um, trying to figure out how do we provide the service we do and do it remotely, and, and will OHIP still pay us our fees for doing it that way? So, you know, they're, they're, it's had a huge effect on a lot of people, some predictably and some unpredictably. Now, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and, and this okay. is something that you really have nothing to do with, but okay. in a time in which health is what's creating all this complete and utter chaos, it has never been more difficult to find your family doctor. Like, I haven't been able to see this guy in months. You know, we, yeah. you can't just show up at the clinic. I, I, I don't understand this. But now, the, uh, you know, the, the whole aspect of, you know, your plan changing and, uh, and, and the COVID effect that it's having on, 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 on the mindset of people, you know, what happens if you, if you don't have enough? Like, I mean, at some point, you know, the repercussions of, of an economic shutdown is going to be felt on your plan. You know, right. what happens if this is the year or within the next two or three years, you were planning on retiring and now you look at your accounts and you say, man, this is not enough. What do you yeah. do? Well, I mean, hopefully you've had a financial plan long before now and you knew what sort of pace you were on. 
Um, you know, COVID didn't, didn't necessarily throw your plan into disarray. If you're going to retire in the next two years and you didn't, you aren't going to have enough money for that, COVID didn't cause that. Mm. Um, you know, they definitely didn't help. But you, you would have been aware that you weren't on pace already. But the way COVID has affected either someone approaching retirement or someone in retirement, <laughs> uh, obviously the easy answer is, your portfolio has not earned what you expected it to earn this year in, mm -hmm. a, in a normal year. So that's going to have an effect and, and you need to figure out how that, what sort of changes you need to, to make to reflect that. Uh, it's also created an environment where we could go through a prolonged period where portfolios aren't going to earn what we expect them to earn. So we have to anticipate some muted, some lowered uh, investment results in the times ahead. And I can't even begin to predict how long a time that'll be, but just know that there's some uncertainty there. It's caused uncertainty on day-to-day -day cash flow. So people who are working, possibly they're not earning as much as they, they are. And people who are approaching retirement are starting to say, you know what, cash flow is a little uncertain right now. Maybe I'm going to push this retirement decision back until I feel society is on more solid ground and I can, can understand what my expectations should be. So I've, I've had a few clients who said, you know, I'm going to keep working. Uh, I'm working now. I'm, I'm doing okay. I was going to retire at the end of this year. And I'm just going to hang on and, and see how this thing plays out. So we that's a, that's a, go ahead. No, no, please. The, uh, in, I would just want to remind the folks that are just tuning into the show that you're listening to Money Mike. He's, uh, he's my personal financial advisor. And if you have... Uh, if you have the need for someone to help you with your with your retirement, um, this is probably the, the most important phone number that you can possibly write down anywhere. 905-320-6762. I'll repeat, 905-320-6762. Or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. Uh, you know, he is the only person that uh, is allowed to touch my monies and my finances. And I can tell you that, you know, I'm looking at life with, with, with different eyes after I, I started to deal with Mike. Uh, Mike and I have personally known each other for close to 20 years now, and uh, I can I can personally tell you that uh, um, you know he is a stand-up uh, you know human. Um, you know it's very important that you that you that you associate that a good person with someone that is going to be managing your financing, uh, your finances. Now, a question for you, Mike: um, Is it possible to have too much money to retire? <laughs> I know that this going to sound crazy for many many people. But is it possible to have too much? And how, how do you know when you have too much? So, of course, there is no such thing as too much. Um, you know, money at its core, money is a magnifier. Um, you know, the, the old uh, expression, money is the root of all evil. And, and as I've told you before, I believe it's the lack of money that's the root of all evil. Um, and so what I've come to realize over the years is that money is simply a magnifier. If you have lots of money, it magnifies your personality to the extreme. So if you are a good and giving person, having a ton of money makes you even better and more giving. And if you are, let me just say, not the most enjoyable person <laughs> in the world, having lots of money magnifies that personality as well. It tells you, yep, my opinions are absolutely right. Look what society is paying me. I must be a smart person. 
and I'm going to make sure everybody knows my opinions. Uh, um, it is. Uh, it is certainly. Uh, you know, I, I do believe that uh, money money exposes people. You know, money, yeah. success. Uh, wealth in general, it exposes people, it magnifies what was already there. Uh, yeah. Money doesn't change anybody. You know, if you're, not, if you're not nice, when you have a lot of money, you are going to be extremely unpleasant. Um, yeah. And it's something, it's something that does happen. But, uh, you know, the, the truth is this, that, you know, there are many folks out there that uh, through, you know, I guess, you know, personal choice, you know, personal decisions, just prudent, and conservative approach to their finances have been able to put themselves in a position in which uh, they are okay. And, you know, it, this is something that I've seen often, Mike, and I don't know how often you see it, um, you know, especially dealing with, you know, people, people in the, uh, you know, after 50, you know, after 50 in the 60s and sometimes in their 70s and 80s, um, they seem to be most comfortable keeping their monies in their bank account. You know, they will have one, two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars sitting on a savings account thinking, okay, my money is safe there. And uh, when you expose them to the whole concept of opportunity cost, it's something that they have never really thought of. When you talk to them about the whole idea of inflation and how, you know, having the money sitting on a bank account is probably one of the worst possible things that they could do with their money. And, And especially if you are the the, the child, if you are, if you're the son or daughter of someone that is in that position, that is in their mid 60s or 70s, and they're sitting with, you know, half a million, a million dollars in a bank account, just wasting away by bank fees and inflation, you know, how how do you even tackle this? Because again, in order for someone to be able to accumulate that kind of money in a bank right. account, you know, it, it puts them in a very, very small segment of the population in which they made some prudent, smart financial decisions in which they were able to amass that amount of liquid. But in the process, the amount of money that they are leaving on the table because yeah. of opportunity costs is something that is very difficult to make somebody understand or to conceptualize it. So, you know, what I want to do, Mike, I, I want to take a small break and okay. uh, I want you to, you know, dissect that idea on the other side of the break because I know many, many people, Mike, that have parents that, um, you know, through, you know, I guess um, thinking of the, through the depression, you know, you just want to hang on to your cash because they still believe that cash is king and, and yeah. I, I need to hang on to it, you know, with, you know, and hold on to it for, you know, dear life. So I want to take a small break, and I want you to talk to us about that on the other side of the break. Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and we'll be right back. He left us too soon. Too soon. I remember when I heard the news, man. I was driving my daughter Emma to school, and uh, on the news, uh, it came that uh, Chris Cornell had left us. And, uh, dude, man, I cried. <laughs> I remember Emma was being... It, she was little, and she said, Dad, why, why are you crying? I said, would you cry if uh, um, Ed Sheeran died? She said, yeah. I said, okay, exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and then Eddie Van Halen earlier this week, eh? Yeah, you know, I, that, that's pretty sad. I was never really a big fan of theirs, but, uh, you know, he, the guy was an icon for, yeah. you know, for rock and roll. I, um, I think he died of throat cancer. He was very young, no? How old was he? 65, yeah. That's a young buck. You know, it's, yeah. you know, going too soon, man, going too soon. Now, be, before the break, Mike, I, I was talking to you about something that I have seen often 
over the last little bit. And um, and these are people that you know have been conservative, have been prudent, that they haven't squandered their money. And uh, they have managed that through the crazy taxation ratio that we have here in Canada. And they have been able to save and put you know, money aside that has been built over time. And this is not because they sold the property, not because they, uh, you know, they inherited money. It's because they literally right. just saved. And they have you know, a half a million, three-quarters of a million dollars sitting in a bank account. And I know it may sound crazy for some of you folks, but I can tell you this is far more common than you think. But what is also far more common is that people feel so safe in keeping their money in the bank accounts when, in my opinion, a savings account is quite possibly the least safe place for you to keep your money. Can you speak of that? Yeah, it's like you said, it's more common than you think. And to be honest with you, those are the people that I worry about the least. Um, they, They got to that position because they know how to live within their means. And yes, there's some opportunity costs that they could have built even more wealth. But the important thing is they know how to live within their capabilities. I don't worry about people like that. So there's an opportunity there where they, they'll come to me and say, you know, we've spent our whole life scrimping and saving. Now we're retiring or we're retired. Now we want to we sort of let ourselves off the leash. We want to start enjoying this a little bit more. And that's perfect. So they come to me to try to get an understanding of how much can we afford to spend? How, how do we get this money to provide us with some income that we can enjoy, that we're not going to outlive? We want to make sure we, we have enough money for the rest of our days. So that's the process that we help them with. Uh, you know, you had asked the question earlier, is it possible to have too much? Well, no, you never have too much. And, and people who have done that, who've saved money to the extreme, uh, it's not that they have too much, but now they have a world of options available to them. They you know, can my, figure out how much do I need. Yeah, my biggest concern is something else because, you know, and, and again, we were talking about opportunity costs. You know, yeah. I, I always I always visualize this that when when people can save i think of squirrels you know yeah. you, yeah. you 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 uh, you hoard all the seeds and you keep them and you have a giant stash of seeds but what mm. would have happened if you would have taken those seeds i'm not saying that squirrels can plant but if yes. you would have planted those seeds and yeah. you would have multiplied those seeds and that's you know that's the only way that i can effectively explain uh, opportunity cost. You know, yeah. the if you have half a million dollars in the bank seven years ago, today you cannot buy the same that you could have bought with those monies, you know, seven years ago. So that, in Correct. effect, your money is worth less. You know, yeah. and, and I don't think that that whole concept is is very well understood. Would you agree with that? No, it is. And, and as you said, you're you're leaving some opportunity on the table there. Your your money is losing strength relative to inflation. So it is important to to deploy that money, to invest it, uh, whether that's, you know, aggressively or conservatively. Uh, I suspect if you're that person that accumulated the money, you're conservative. So even investing it conservatively, it will do better for you than sitting in a bank account and being subjected to inflation and, and not battling it. Uh, I mean, as everybody knows, and this is another of the effects of COVID, the interest rate environment we are in is historically low. It has never been this low. Um, and, and when your money is 
invested in or they're sitting in bank accounts and those type of an interest bearing uh, investments, that means the amount of interest it's earning is really, really low. And to add insult to injury, you got to pay tax on it. And you have to pay tax. It is fully taxable income at your marginal tax bracket. So someone in the top tax bracket, they're losing half of that interest that they earn, which wasn't much to begin with, but they're losing it to tax. So, you know, we talk to people in those scenarios to say, what if we could change what you're earning? You know, capital gains, you only pay tax on half of what you earn. Dividends, mm. you get a dividend tax credit. It's, it's taxed preferentially. You pay less tax than you do on interest. So are there ways that we can change a portion of your wealth building to more tax-efficient methods? And it's going to grow much better. So if you, if you as my, my personal financial advisor, Mike, could yeah. you know, take the hand of my listeners that are in that position, and you have to give them a few pieces of advice as to what to do next, other than the obvious, which is to call you. And uh, if you, for whatever reason, you have been listening to the show and you haven't gotten this number, you should probably take it down now, 905-320-6762, again, 905-320-6762. That is Money Mike direct phone number. and Or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca, and uh, he will respond because just like me, he is crazy enough to give out his cell phone number on, on national radio. But, uh, you know, <laughs> what sort of advice would you give my listeners that are in that position, that have made some good, prudent, and conservative decisions throughout uh, their life, and now they're sitting on a, on a bunch of cash, then, then they need some guidance. I mean, can you give me a few ideas? Well, you've got to reach out, uh, whether it's me or if you already have a financial advisor, hopefully if you have one, they, they've been talking to you about this already and not letting you accumulate that much money sitting idly by. But whether you have it invested or it's sitting in bank accounts, the point is, you're, you're reached a point where you have done well in life, you've accumulated some money, and now you've got to figure out what is the purpose of that money. So this is going back to what are your plans? What do you need that money to do for you? And, you know, 25 years of doing this career, I have never once met a single individual that I haven't been able to give some helpful advice to. And sometimes it's to sit down with someone and say, you know what? You've been doing everything right. Here's a few tweaks that I would make to make some improvements. But for some people, there's, there's been some opportunities they've missed out on. So it's, it's all got to start with what do you need your money to do for you? And one, if you know what you need it to do, if you know what your expectations are, we can help you to design a plan that will make sure. I, I'm not here to make anybody rich. I can't do that. To, to become rich, you got to be a doctor, a lawyer, a banker, a business owner. you got to slave at it for 40 years or 30, well, hopefully not that long anymore, but you've got to slave at it for a long time and, and be prudent and set aside some money, and finally you arrive and you're wealthy. I, I don't have the tools to make you rich. My job is to make sure that you're never poor. You oh. spent your lifetime building up your wealth, I got to help you figure out a way to make that wealth work for you so that you can live the lifestyle that you want. And hopefully at the end of that plan, there's something left that you can pass on and be a, a 
positive financial influence to the next generation. Well, that's, that's my hope. But nothing really starts, Mike, uh, without the presence, without the existence, without the construction of an actual plan. And uh, if you are listening to the show right now and, uh, you know, having some sort of financial freedom at some point in your life is part of the plan. Um, The the first question that you need to ask yourself, just like I did a few years back, do I have a plan? And if the answer to that is like, uh, I don't know, then there is an issue here. But I, I think that more than an issue, there is an opportunity because the best time to do this, the best time to come up with a plan was 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Right now. And uh, again, when it comes to your own financial freedom, there, there is never really any time to lose. And, and making those decisions today to look after a future self. You know, and I always say this, I need to make decisions today that are going to look after an old Greg, you know, a 65-year-old Greg, a 70-year-old Greg that is not going to have all that, you know, male stamina that I was gifted with, right, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) When I'm not going to be, you know, out there duking it out with a competition, I need to make the decisions today to make sure that old Greg is okay. And, uh, you know, Mike, I have to once again, you know, thank you tremendously for being here on the show and and sharing your wisdom with my listeners. And uh, if for whatever reason you want to listen to this again and you have an elderly parent or you know, an aunt or a, or a sibling that you need them to hear this, you know, I strongly encourage you to, that you go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and you let them listen to this. It's, it's very, very important. Or you can have them call Mike at 905-320-6762 or you can get him to send an email at moneymike.ca. Money Mike, thank you so much for being on the show again, man. Thank you so much for having me. As always, the pleasure was 90% mine. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, you are listening to Greg Carrasco and Ken Staple on TSM 1050, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, as we have to do, unfortunately, but I mean, somebody's got to pay the bills at the end of the hour. We need to take a small break and uh, we are going to have an open line for you on the other side of the break. Um, 416-870-1050 is the line to call. And if you have any questions, suggestions, concerns, issues, beefs, grievances, you need to you need to call the show. We will discuss it. I, and I might not agree with you, but we will discuss this nonetheless. Thank you so much, folks. We'll take a small break and we'll be right back. What a show, folks. What a show today. It's been an interesting one for sure. Uh, this one's going to go into my personal books as one of the most uh, interesting ones and uh, I, I feel that we are coming out on top Ken what do you think yeah well it's like we said uh, we pivot on the fly that's one of the things that happens in this sort of industry where you're broadcasting out sometimes things happen that are outside of your control and uh, you have to go off the beaten path from what the original plan was but I thought we've done a good job adapting today and uh Luckily, the listeners are still tuning in because we have a number of phone calls uh, right now ready to tee up for the third hour. I, you know, I love that, folks. And uh, if you were listening to the last hour, I want to send a big shout out to uh, Money Mike. You know, Money Mike is such a gentleman. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he, he improvises, you know, overcomes, he adapts. And uh, he was uh, kind enough to still, you know, make it here to my home studio. And uh, even though we were, you know, literally just you know, broadcasting from our phones, and uh, he was able to get out that awesome message that uh, he does every time he's on the show. So if you miss the number for whatever reason, his number is 905-320-6762, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. 
But um, if you're just tuning in, folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN. This is Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapon. And uh, over the last 13 years, we have dominated the automotive industry here in, in, in Ontario and now across the country. Uh, in relation to automotive. So we are open for all sorts of different conversations, and this last hour has always been dedicated to you. Whatever you want to talk about, you can call me. You can disagree with me. You can fight with me. You can argue with me. But I can tell you this, um, you might not like my opinions, but that's okay. We can. This is the only way that we can cleanse our society of silly ideas. We need to expose them into the sunlight, and we can debate them furiously, and I hope, that you have your arguments lined up properly because uh, the the show here is ruthless and uh, you know Ken and I do not care so much about your feelings, right, Ken? Uh, no feeling care, Greg. <laughs> no feeling. So we have Rocky from Toronto. Uh, Rocky, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Hey, what's happening, man? Not much. I'm just curious. Uh, I've been listening to your show for quite a few years. You don't speak much about automobile racing. Wonder what your take on that is, because I remember decades ago the auto manufacturers used to advertise like win on Sunday, sell on Monday. I don't think the auto manufacturers really focus on auto racing as an advertisement anymore. No, they don't. It's a it's a very esoteric area of the population. Now there is a large number of people that follow auto racing and uh, and in car racing and so on. Uh, Formula One is huge, but I mean, you got to remember that uh, we know we're talking about different things. NASCAR is enormous in the United States, but not so much here in Canada. And uh, you know, I I have never really been that involved in auto racing. And uh, you know, one of my good friends, Kevin Ferrodi, uh, he's always recommended uh, Kevin Ferrodi and um, Victor Machado, uh, that used to work for another um, for another uh, station. Uh, always mentioned to me how big kart racing is here in southern Ontario. But, uh, you know, from time to time, um, you know, we rely on callers to, to bring different topics of conversation. What would you like to hear from us, Rocky, in the future? Oh, just every once in a while, just following maybe, like, what's going on and, in, 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 you know, just the top top racing every once in a while. And you know what would be interesting, too, like women in automotive, there are a few women automobile racers. When oh, I was yeah. an apprentice, I used to work on... Uh, a woman's car that was an automobile racer at, at the shop. I think her name was Catherine Teasdale, but like, look, I'm talking about like probably 35 years ago. But there are a few women in auto racing that still get exposure, right? Like, oh, for for auto- sure. But I mean, what sort of auto racing are you talking about? Are you talking NASCAR? Are you talking Formula One, Formula Two? You know, yeah, what are Formula you talking about? Formula One is big. Um, yeah, I like Formula One. Uh, um, what I like that's not so popular. It's kind of like a outlaw hillbilly kind of thing is the quarter mile drag racing but they use big big horsepower like the top fuel cars now are over 10,000 horsepower oh really yeah <laughs> yeah you yeah know no i don't tell them you want to talk about fuel mileage they will burn about 20 gallons of fuel in a quarter mile run and 10 gallons of it is uh displaced out the oil pan at the end of the run Every time uh, one of those vehicles gets started, a baby seal dies. So, Rocky, I don't know if that's going to be a very popular topic, but <laughs> thank you yeah, so much for the phone call. they're not very environmentally friendly. You're right. <laughs> no, they're not. Thank you so much for the phone call, Rocky. And uh, we will do what we can to uh, to include, um, you know, auto racing in the future. Uh, we have Shane in line, too, from Georgetown. Shane, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. We'll get Shane on in just a minute here. Uh, interesting take, though, from Rocky. We would love to get a little bit more into the automotive sides, and maybe we can look for that for guests in the future. Uh, we do have Shane ready now. Shane, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Oh, hey, Greg. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Enjoying this lovely day. Thank you. How can I help? Um, I was calling. So uh, my wife and I were expecting our first child, and we're looking at getting a new car, like a family car. Yep. Um, so I have my work truck, which I don't really want to be hauling the newborn baby around with all the dust. Right now we got a Corolla, which I don't like. It's really small. But I'm looking at, like, the, the Kia Seltos. Um, have you... Like, what's your opinion on that car, say, versus a cash tie? Because they're kind of around the same size, same price range, well, right? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question, uh, Shane, because uh, the reality is this, and it's, this is something that I've said on my show, you know, as a common element for the last few years, that there are, you know, with the exception of one or two car manufacturers that I completely don't support because I don't like their, you know, selling system. I don't like their vehicles. I don't think they're going to be around very long. Um, you know, most car manufacturers today make a really outstanding product. And uh, I can tell you that Kia and Hyundai, uh, in e- e- and for that matter, Nissan, I mean, with the Qashqai, they have been a great disruptor in the CUV, which is the compact utility vehicle segment, which mm-hmm. happens to be one of the largest and uh, uh, the fastest growing utility vehicle segments in the country. Um, you know, my, my suggestion to you is, is clear. I... I recommend that you go down and drive them. Yeah. Once you drive them, you're going to be able to get a completely different understanding of what the vehicle stands for. And, you know, uh, you know whether you get an HRV, you get a cash car, you get yourself a, a Hyundai Kona or a Seltos, um, the, the reality is that you cannot make a mistake, man. You can't. Yeah. The, bad, all like, the safety features are all pretty good with all of those cars, I guess, because that's my main concern. They're very, you know? com- they're very comparable. I mean, most vehicles okay. today in that segment are, are meeting safety requirements for the year 2028. So, Beautiful. you know, safety is not an issue in those cars anymore. I think that it has a lot more to do with the way that you feel when you're driving one. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, the battle of quality is already... Uh, fought and won by the consumer 10, 15 years ago, uh, because the truth is this, that all all cars are pretty good now. What they're fighting on is cost of ownership. Um, you will find that the cost of ownership in most, most of these vehicles is being reduced to, you know, very, very small and affordable increments uh, on a monthly basis. And uh, especially if you have 0% financing available to you, the one thing that I can tell you is that whatever one of those vehicles you're looking at getting, uh, don't lease it, finance it, and get yourself an extended warranty. Now, because I, you know, Casca is one of the vehicles that I sell. The Casca is a phenomenal vehicle for somebody that doesn't want to get something as big as a CRV or a Rav4, but they don't want to go as small as, uh, you know, uh, what do you, what is um, the the new the new Hyundai that that just came out. You know, it, it escapes me now. But you know, if you're looking at in, in a mid-sized compact utility vehicle. The Cascar is a phenomenal car. And that vehicle was available around the world in Europe and in South America for a long time before it made it up to the Canadian market. So, mm-hmm. you know, go out, drive them. I encourage you to do so. To, uh, to do so. And once when, when that happened, you know, come and see me. And if there was something else that I can help you, um, you know, you, you need to call me. Now, once you decide which vehicle you're going to get, call me and I'll tell you which dealership to go because I have some specific dealers that I do business with that believe in the transparency and the clarity of, of what we do uh, when it comes to selling cars, and I will yeah. send you to the right place. Beautiful. Thanks, Shane, and good luck. Thank you. No problem. Um, we have um, – uh, let me see here. Who, who is the next person that we have on the line, Ken? Uh, let's see who's on the line up here. I think we're going to go to Kevin in Minden right now. Kevin, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. How are you today? Hey, Kevin, what's happening? 
Not a whole lot, Gregory. Um, Earlier this morning, you were talking to that guy about uh, his CrossFit business. Now, yep. do you wear masks when you're doing the CrossFit? Uh, you you don't have to. I guess you, you have a bubble, right? So what happens is that, you know, you only have a certain number of people allowed uh, within the facility, and they are all demarked. Let me give you an example. Um the um, as, as you, most of the people that listen to my show, they know that I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And our Jiu-Jitsu school, you know, number one, you need to walk in with a mask. Number two, you need to keep social distance. Number three, you need to do a self-assessment. Number three, you know, they, they put you the, uh, the temperature control. Uh, you're only allowed to, you know, to roll with one person within a designated area. So you're not allowed to contact or talk to anybody else in, in the process. So, you know, I can tell you that most fitness facilities are have taken the the precaution of this to the uh, to the umph level, to, you know, it, to the point that it's just almost absurd. It doesn't even make sense to go there, but they want to keep it that safe. So what are you asking? The pro- well, the problem with that is, unfortunately now, like they said, we don't have bubbles per se now that school started. So unless everyone going is a single male or female or person, you're all being introduced to everybody's bubbles. And I think that's the main reason why they have to make, you know, unless you're wearing masks, which I guess is the same as a gym or, fitness and everything, I guess you'd need either have a mask or not. Same with restaurants. It's the only place that you're allowed to go and take your mask off, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, None. so I don't, know, I don't know what your point is, Kevin. My point is that they shouldn't be open and that these businesses should be closed. So who, okay, hold on a second. So let me, let me ask, let's, let's play this through, Kevin, okay? Let's play yeah. this through. Let's say that we shut all those businesses down. What do yeah. we do with the employees? Who, who, how are these people going to pay their bills? Okay, so in March, we were told this is a global pandemic. What went through your mind? What went through, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what went through my trouble. mind last week, man. You're asking me okay, okay, something okay. that happened four months well, ago. Well, no, but it goes back to that because they also told us for months and months that we are not going back to normal. And somehow people have missed that message that we're not going back to normal. And everyone's trying to push us back to normal. See, this morning you also said that it's seniors and people with health issues. But we're not concerned about the deaths per se. This attacks your organs. So if you have kids get this, they end up with health problems for years and years. Uh, you know, on our Kevin, I, you know, I want you to just hear me out with this. I don't, you know, I, this is an interesting conversation. Remember, I'm not this, I'm not this, the pandemic has as, as a script. Okay, hold on, hold on a second, Kevin. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. So let's talk this through. You know, let's use the Socratic system to talk this through. So let's say that we shut down all these businesses. And let's say that all these people are out of work. Who is going to feed their families? Here is the only issue with that is that if we don't shut down now. No, but hold on, hold on a second, Kevin. Kevin, down. you're not answering my question. Let's, let's just talk this through because I don't disagree with you. Okay, so let's, let's just talk this through. Who is going to feed those families? Sorry? Who's going to feed those families? Let's say that we shut down the, the city and, and, and the country again. Who is going to pay the bills? Who is going to feed the family? That's, that's the problem that we face. But the pandemic has a script. And in 1917, we are in the exact same boat. And there's nothing. We, could, we can't save lives and the economy. It's not possible. There's no third option. So you have to take your choice, like Sweden did. And ended up with, they've got five, it's almost 6,000 deaths. They never shut down. We are almost, t- almost at 10,000. We are triple their size, over triple their size. And they decided yeah. to let people die. 
for the economy, and they're in the exact same boat as we are. No, it, it's just that we're not, we're not letting people die for the economy, Kevin. Yes, I think that you're taking yes, a pretty radical approach on this. Hold on a second. You know, you know, I, people forget sometimes that this is, is my show, and you know, you have to allow me to speak. I, I think that at, I think that at some point we need to rely in the in the decision making process of the citizenship. You know, we are we. All of us here are adults. We can all make decisions. Nobody wants to get infected. Everybody knows what six feet apart is. Everybody knows that they need to wash their hands and wear a mask. Inevitably, you will have people that don't care. And it's often those people that don't care are the ones that cause a bigger problem, you know, for society by and large. The problem is this, that right now we are shutting down an economy that, you know, is, is fragile to begin with. And uh, there is no solution inside. We all know what the problem is, but nobody's giving out solutions. And that's where I get, um, that's where I get, um, you know, I, I get conflicted with. So, you know, Ken, I, pardon? It's a global issue. It's every country. It's not just us. We're thinking so small scale. Kevin, unfortunately, you know, well, no, I would say fortunately, we live in Canada, and, uh, you know, Canada has taken a pretty aggressive approach on this, and the numbers are significantly lower than just about everywhere else in the world. So we have done something right. And the problem, 20th best. Sorry? We're 20th best. Uh, yeah, but we are, okay, so what's your, what's your point on that? But the point, my point is that, the, that it's scripted, so we don't really have a, a choice in what's going to happen here. The reason we have to shut down is because we have to stop spreading the virus. Okay, and we are so going question, into... no, I have a question for you before I hang up. What do you do for a living? I, well, I, landscaping as a, as a rule. It's not, no, I, I get no, it, no, I understand what, it, what, it's, but you have to understand that do, we don't have... What do you do for a living, Ken? A choice in the matter. Can you please hang up on this person because he's, he's not letting me speak, so I don't want to talk to him. You know, if, you, if you're going to call the show and you're going to argue with me about something this important, at least back it up with some hard data. So, you know, I want to know what you do for a living because you clearly don't own a business. You clearly are okay. Or you are living off the system. I don't know. Because I can tell you this, that if you are an industrious person right now and your business is getting shut down, you want to have a little bit of harder evidence as to what's happening. Um, let's talk to the next person that we have online. Um, uh, let's Michael. go to Michael from Vaughn. Yeah, Michael, yeah, you're Michael. on the Greg Carrasco show. How's it going, Greg? How are you? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm conflicted because I, I want to understand what's happening right now, and I want to hear what people have to say in relation to the government shutdowns. But you know, I I, I want to have some empirical data. I don't want I don't want to have anecdotal evidence. Um, you know, it's, it's the least reliable way of uh, you know, having a conversation. But what what is your take on this? So I think it's great. What the last caller said is actually very good for what I want to talk about. So I'll be 100% transparent with you. I work in the fitness industry. I work yep. with youth-level athletes who they need to be training. I work with general population clients who need to be training, who need to be in a gym setting in order to help their fitness goals, help their overall health. Now, my thing is Doug Ford has been saying for the last week, show me the evidence, show me the evidence. Well, Mr. Ford, come out and show us the evidence why gyms are a terrible place that can't be open. I get it. There's outliers of gyms who do have outbreaks, like the Spin Studio in Hamilton. I'll be 100% transparent. That was a terrible outbreak that happened in Hamilton. But gyms as a whole are not a bad place. When we talk about a burden to the healthcare system, COVID-19 and coronavirus and all the health, health that's uh, wrong with COVID is not a burden to the healthcare system. What is a burden to the healthcare system is obesity, a pandemic we've been dealing with for centuries on end since man was around. 
chronic onset pulmonary disorders, COPD, heart conditions, all those things can be fixed with general exercise, general fitness. But Doug Ford right now has shut those down. So him shutting those down, we talk about how those are precursors to having a terrible experience with COVID and being more at risk for COVID. But him shutting down gyms, it only increases the population's risk of having bad outbreaks of COVID because we're putting in all these precursors to what, what attributes to COVID actually being detrimental to someone, it increases the risk for that. We're taking away people's ability to actually exercise and get better. Which I don't, you shown. know, Michael, you are speaking my language, and I, I want to add Dennis on the line here. Can we do that, uh, Ken? For sure. Uh, yeah, we'll, Dennis, we'll bring, are you there? Yeah, give us one second. We'll give Dennis a call back right now. Yeah, you know, the uh, Michael, what I can tell you is this, that, you know, being inactive, being, uh, you know, not working out, not keeping up with your physical activity, it, it will have more de- long-term detrimental health effects in the exactly. population by and large than it would be to, sh- you know, to shut the gyms down. And, you know, and, and I can tell you this, that, you know, the, the psychological health, the mental health effect that this has been having on the population is felt. I certainly felt it. What do you think, Michael? I, okay, so mental health is huge. That was the next point I wanted to get into. Mental health is 1,000% a burden on the healthcare system. The Ontario government and the federal government in Canada has openly admitted that they've failed the healthcare system in terms of mental health. And there's open data that anyone can access. There's scientific articles that anyone can access because Mr. Ford is apparently all about the science and all about the data. Well, Mr. Ford, show us the data that shutting down gyms will help with people's mental health. Mental health is going to be negatively affected by the shutdown of gyms. Mental health is going to be an absurd amount of money that's going to be needed to attribute to mental health. It's going to cause the government a fortune in order to keep this up because now the healthcare system will become a burden through the mental health and the other obesity and everything else that I previously talked about that is negatively affected with not exercising. So, Mr. Ford, you've always been talking about the last week about how you want to show data. I've been reaching out to you on social media. I've emailed your PR people. I've emailed them to show me the data. I've called them to show me the data. Quite frankly, all my calls have gone unanswered. Mr. Ford, Dr. Davila, uh, Dr. Uh, Williams of uh, Ontario, if you show me the data why gyms are so bad for COVID-19 and why shutting down gyms will positively keep our hospitalizations down and positively keep COVID away from being a negative impact on the healthcare system, I will by all means change my opinion and join your side because then I will be proven wrong but prove me wrong. Until you do that, I can't change my opinion as to why it should be a shutdown of gyms. I don't understand. Michael, you are, you are speaking on behalf of very, very, very many people. I really thank you for taking the time to call on the garage which are here on TSN 1050. And this is a very hot topic, folks. Uh, you know, my buddy Dennis is going to be on the other side of the break. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050 with my friend Ken Stapon. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And right now we're talking about the pandemic and the shutdowns, and this is driving people insane. Ken, let's take a small break, and we'll be right back. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. And uh, uh, with my friend Ken Stapen, <laughs> the show has been all over the place this morning, and uh, I, I'm not so sure that I don't like it. I, this has actually been pretty good. You never know when you're going to get the engagement of the population, and uh, uh, you know some technical difficulties was met with some interesting topics of conversation. And uh, you know I love getting riled up with uh, with listeners, and I can tell you this: a guy that called that wouldn't let me speak, man. 
you know, I, I, I wanted to know what he did for a living, man. And I also wanted to know if he would be willing to give up his salary for the next 28 days, you know, since he is so concerned with the, uh, what's happening with the economy. But um, let's talk to Garth from the Peg. Garth from Winnipeg. Hi, good morning. morning, Greg. Good morning, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning, Garth. No problem. And the gentleman, I, I was listening during that interview, and he's, he was a landscaper, just for the record. So he, he yeah. said he was a landscaper. Yeah, so we're working the, outside. So probably yeah. uh, not too affected by the income at that point in time. Yeah. So I have a quick question. Yes. What's your What's your impression, Greg, of uh, Premier Ford's announcement this week that he's going to make a five hundred ninety million dollar investment in the Oakville plant to produce an electric vehicle? I think it's a terrible mistake. And uh, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Doug because he, uh, you know, he has led us through you know through the pandemic. Uh, I would say with flying colors. But the moment that we start you know, diving into corporate welfare is when I get my back up because, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good uh, impression on the government for us to be meddling in private enterprise. It is not, you see the government by and large, we don't, the government doesn't have money, so they're using taxpayers' money to finance something that may or may not work. And we have seen it time and time and time again that whenever governments get involved into private enterprise, then, you know, a disaster will always follow. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think that it's risky uh, putting that much money in a in a vehicle that may or may not be a success. Because my impression right now of consumer acceptance of electrical vehicles is is dubious at best, primarily because of our cold uh, winter weather. Well, I, I think that uh, using taxpayer dollars to finance, uh, you know, to to you know, get to finance corporate corporate and private enterprise is a mistake from any government. I don't I don't believe in corporate welfare. I mean if we, we either are in a free market society or we're not. Uh and, and if if for whatever reason the province and the taxpayers, because again this money belongs to the taxpayers, if we are own if we're going to own a portion of that plant, if we are own, going to own a portion of that company, I'm all for it. But unfortunately, this is just money that gets given out, and there is never really a requirement of a return on the investment, which is a big problem, and Doug knows this. But, uh, you know, look, he must have had his reasons, you know, unless he comes on the show one of these days, because he always, you know, he calls. Uh, we'll, we'll ask him about that, and uh, I'm sure that there is a reason in behind it. Personally, I think it's a big mistake, but, you know, they must have had the reasons. But, uh, you know, again, Garth, thank you so much for the phone call. And let's talk to Vince from Scarborough that uh, he has a question about Chile. Is that do I, do I hear this right, uh, Ken? Yeah. Well, he wants to talk about small business, and uh, he also has some experience with Chile from what I understand. Vince, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Oh, the only chilies I use are in my in my garden and in my cooking. I'm not from Chile, Greg. You are. Yeah, same for me. <laughs> hey, What's Greg, I'm man? glad I found you back on the radio, man. I missed you. Yeah, thank you. You know, I I, I try to make all my, uh, my the slacker nation aware of where I am, but I mean, there's such big slackers that they don't want to turn the dial a couple of notches, right? <laughs> That's right. Now, listen, I had oysters for breakfast, but things can't be all that bad. But here's the thing, Greg, you were you were from Chile, is that correct? Yes, and you and you just said something about the government shouldn't get involved with private enterprise. I agree, but the government in Toronto, Ontario, Canada is involved in private lives. Now we've had a few callers talking about obesity. I agree. If there were people getting fat, would the government ban chips? Would they mandate a vaccine to keep me skinny? I think the government is overreacting on all measures with COVID, and I think it's going to lead to something grave and way worse. Greg, my question to you is, do you see any parallels 
of a dictatorship, uh, a authoritarian you know, uh, regime coming to well, this free market? You know, I, what I can tell you is this, uh, uh, Vince, the, the one of the most unfortunate things that I, that I see and hear from you know, many Canadians that have been born and raised in Canada, including my children, believe it or not, is the, is the complete and absolute lack of perspective. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things that a lot of immigrants, you know, have in common. We have experienced what it is to live in a socialist country. We have also experienced uh, what it is to to live in a neoliberalist society uh, led by a fascist dictator. And uh, because you are able to see the contrast, you understand where this is going. And I don't think that a lot of people understand what is happening right now. And that terrifies me to no end. Uh, our government, you know, the federal government, it, again, this is in my opinion anyways, and in, in my opinion, it's as humble as it comes, uh, is, is gotten fat. Our government is obese. And, you know, why would you want, you know, if you were part of the government, why would you want to shrink the government and eliminate the ability, the need of you being there in the first place? It was Upton Sinclair, the one that said that you cannot expect a man to understand something when his very income depends on him not understanding it. So, you know, our government is, is becoming ineffective. I believe in smaller government. I believe in personal accountability. I believe in personal responsibility. And that's not, that's not happening right now. Uh, you know, a couple of things that I, I recommend to anyone, if you have not read Orwell, you should read 1984. And that book is going to give you a textbook, play by play, of what is happening right now. And it's terrifying. Uh, did you read that book, Vince? Yeah, I read it uh, back in grade seven, and I picked it up again just recently, just to uh, get my fear up a little bit more. But here's a, one more thing. There's another book I read, and uh, you know, it's a it's it's called the Bible, Greg. And I'm just I'm in there as well. So for more perspective, <laughs> for a guy like me, for some more perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, I, uh, thanks for being on the radio, buddy. No, no, thank you, Vince. Uh, now I have read the, the Bible, believe it or not, a couple of times. I I have long since given up those ways. But uh, you know, I, I can tell you that it's a good historical reference book. Uh, you know, for whatever accuracy you may find. Uh, you know, saying that, I, I think that uh, it's important to remain objective in in the face of a crisis. And. Uh, um, unfortunately, there is a lot of feelings that are being taken into consideration right now, and they should not be taken into consideration. Feelings are fickle. Feelings are volatile. And uh, I think that we need to take a little bit of a step back and see what, you know, the effect that this is having in yep. our society by and large. Any thoughts on that, Ken? Yeah. Well, when you look at a situation like this, it's obviously very difficult to look at completely objectively because people's personal lives are being affected. We don't know what the people who are in office have been going through the, through this time. I mean, obviously, we've touched on the government salaries being a little bit more of a steady job over this time than other areas of the economy that have been more adversely affected. But it, this has hit close to home for a lot of people. Like, I've had friends who were very, very sick with the coronavirus and that work in the restaurant industry. It sweeps through restaurants, and, the, you know, half the staff gets sick, and customers are getting sick. And when you see all of this happening— it's difficult just to sit by and do nothing, while at the same time, when you're looking at objectively, you see the negative effect that's having on the economy and the negative effect that's having on small business and the way that it's closing the doors on a lot of opportunity or hard work that people have put in to set that foundation and get over the hump and get their businesses off the ground. And now they're having their livelihood taken away by 
the government turning around and saying they can't operate in the same way that they had structured their business around because of the pandemic. So I see both sides, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think that makes the decisions any easier because although you would like to look at it completely objectively, it's not necessarily possible when it comes to a circumstance like this. You know, nobody wants to see people die. Nobody wants to see people get sick. Nobody wants to see this. So, you know, the whole premise that, you know, you don't care about public health is is absurd because we all do. I don't know a single sentient being that would say to you, no, I don't care about the health of my society, that I, I don't care about people dying because of a disease that we haven't found a cure for. That's not the point. The point is this, that at some point we need to trust the citizen, we need to trust the individual, we need to trust humans to make an objective decision for themselves and hold them accountable for that decision. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, like I'm going to stop you there, Greg. So one thing that you were saying is it's all about personal accountability, right? And I agree with yep. you on that point. But when the government is allowing people to go to gyms and to go out to eat and to go to bars and to go into these areas, when you're suggesting that there needs to be stricter laws enforced, they're giving people the personal freedom and they have the ability to stay home if they want to. But that doesn't help the businesses either if people are staying home and not going to the gym and not going to the restaurants, which is the only way that we're going to dig out of this thing. You give people the personal freedom to go out to a bar on Saturday night, they're going to prefer to do it. There's going to be a large segment of the population who doesn't care. Like I work in the industry. I see people come in all the time and they're less concerned about the virus and more concerned about life going back to real life. And that's the ultimate problem. But even if you restrict the freedoms and try to put bigger stipulations on, how is that going to change or how is that different than people taking personal accountability and deciding not to frequent these places in the first place? Well, you know, as a society, I mean, one of the, one of the main roles of the government is, is just to have to establish a framework, a framework of social etiquette in, the, in which we enforce certain things. Like, for example, you know, if you drive over 100 kilometers an hour, you are breaking the law. You know, how many people that you know uh, choose to stay under 100 kilometers an hour? Not very many. Well, Not anybody that I want to drive with. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> you get caught, you, you are going to get a ticket. And the same thing, I mean, the, the, the government role has to take a step back in education and enforcement of those guidelines that we put into place. Now, what I seek for is intellectual consistency. And here is my beef. You know, why are we shutting down restaurants and gyms and we're leaving open schools and churches? That is intellectually inconsistent. And on that basis, I think that there is a lot of, on that basis, there is, there's a lot of issues and situations like that in which it doesn't make sense what the government's actions are, are the, the, the actions the government has taken. Now, we have Dennis on the line, finally, I think. Do we? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Dennis, is, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Dennis, hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Greg? Uh, you know, I am, you know, I, I'm frustrated, Dennis, because, um, you know, what, I, I I saw Alex Sabiri, which you also know through our community, um, and uh, I, I see you posting pictures of going back to working out outside, and I couldn't imagine the the troubles and trials and tribulations that the small business owners in the, in the city of Toronto and in Peel, by and large, are having. How is this affecting you, Dennis? It's been uh, it's been very very frustrating. And Alex Alex has uh, uh, said I can sum it up quite well. Um, I was all for the premier and the government saying we're going we're to make a decision based on data. And then the decision they make, there's no data to back it up. 
Um, you know, we haven't seen numbers about infections in gyms, major infections in all these places. I could go down the street to Square One Shopping Center and maybe do a workout there because they're not closed. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's frustrating. I, I lost about 40% of my members initially, just building my way back. And now, you know, it's at least 28 days is what they say. Um, you know, and I think like Alice was saying, I, I don't want subsidies. I want to earn my money. I want to work and doing what I was doing and hustling, not give me a free handout and sit and wait for something to get better. So how, how are the members responding to this? Because this must be very, very uh, stressful for your members that not to be able to express themselves physically and keep themselves in shape in the way that they, uh, that they would normally be able to do. How, what is the response that you got from your members? Well, 100%, I mean, we, uh, I think Alex spoke as well. I mean, mental health is, is a big, big challenge, especially with everything going on. Um, and being able to be active and physical is a great way to kind of help balance that out. I've had comments from a number of members now being like visibly upset that this is this is their place. This is the place they come to to relieve the stress of everything that's going on, you know, of everyday life and the pandemic. And they're like, what do we do now? Like, where are we supposed to go? What are our options? Um, uh, you know, the CrossFit community is very tight. So it's a, I'm, I'm lucky enough that um, they're willing to kind of help support as best they can, whether that's continue paying membership or whatnot. I'm going to be doing, as we did before, pivoting and providing outdoor classes, online classes, remote call, like all these different options to really just keep them, keep them moving and keep that, that mental state um, clear. Um, but it's just getting more and more challenging and frustrating when we're not given answers or reasons as to why these decisions are being made. You know, I, uh, all I wanted to tell you, uh, Dennis, and uh, I reached out to you and Alex this morning, that, you know, I, I feel for you. And uh, if, if my listeners here can, uh, can support and you can, you know, you can sign up online, uh, what, where can they find you, Dennis, if people want to sign up for fitness classes at home uh, via Zoom or whatever it is that you're choosing to use? Oh, definitely. Look, you can find me at uh, fullmetalcrossfit.com. Um, you can also email me directly at info at fullmetalcrossfit.com or dennis at fullmetalcrossfit.com. Go directly to me. I'm happy to provide our options. We have a variety of options to um, keep you moving as best we can, whether it be at home or you know, outdoor while the weather allows it. Um, hopefully we'll back indoors in a month, but we'll see. Um, just yet, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Um, now, the call are you, you guys have the, getting some sort of a subsidy right now for this month that you're closed again? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I, the challenge I had, so when they announced the rent subsidy way back, you know, earlier in the year, I didn't qualify because I was lucky enough to be successful enough to not lose 70% of my revenue. So I was penalized yeah. for that by not, by not getting rent relief. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Uh, I know there was announcements of some other subsidies coming out. I, I have to, you know, they haven't released all of the information or what that is or what that means. But again, I, I don't want free handouts. I want to, I want to do my job. I want to do what I was doing by becoming a business owner, by becoming an entrepreneur. I wanted to earn my money um, without having roadblocks. And again, public health, I understand. But we haven't been given that the reason that we're causing all these infections. We've done over and above, like Alex has said, over and above um, for our protocols in the gym for, for um, you know, cleanliness. I learned more about biological cleaners than I ever want to know in my life this past six months. Um, and, you know, protocols of making sure the members wear the masks and are physically distanced and are spaced out between classes. All that's in place. So we're keeping it safe. All that without being provided of what guidelines gyms should do. So we're over and above what a lot of industries are already doing, but we're being penalized um, for what reason, I'm not sure. Dude, man, I, I, I feel for you. You know, please, you know, give my regards to Rachel. 
And uh, I, I hope that you guys can weather the storm. And, Dennis, thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. And, uh, and please remember that you have an open invitation here. So if there is anything that you want to push forward to your members or to the city, uh, you are welcome to come. And the, the same invitation goes to Alex Siberi from uh, – uh, from Element CrossFit in Mississauga. You guys are both in Mississauga, one in each side of Mississauga. But, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I, I feel for you guys, and, uh, and I'm here for you if I can help in any way, Dennis. Thank you so much for calling the show, man. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. No problem. You know, Dennis, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ken, we, um, you know, it's, that's, that was a pretty lively uh, <laughs> segment of the show. Why don't we, uh, let's take a small break, and uh, we are going to come back with our closing thoughts on, on a very, very exciting and intense show that we've had for the last uh, two hours or so. And uh, you, you are listening to the Greg Carrasso Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here on TSN 1050. Um, the number to call is 416-870-1050 or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. If you have a beef and you want to talk to me, the lines are open. Call us. We'll be right back. And you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here. You know, man, this three hours have flown by, Ken. Um, but uh, I, I have to take 30 seconds to uh, send out a big shout-out to my friend uh, Dan Thiessen and his wife. Uh, you know, my thoughts are with you guys. I know you guys are going through a... You know some some you know some tough times right now, and uh, you know my thoughts are with you. Uh, Dan is the owner of Radix Performance in uh, in Oakville, and um, you know all the good vibes and good energy goes to them right now. I, they need you know the community support, and uh, we are here for them. Radix, uh, Dan is a is also a, a guest on the show from time to time, and it's a it's a friend of mine. And uh, you know I'm thinking about you guys. Uh, we have um, another person on the line, Matthew from Toronto. Matthew, thank you for calling the Corazpatrol. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, I have a car question. Uh, yep. Just wondering, what would you pay for a 2019 Santa Fe uh, top of the line? It's a demo with about 11,000 Ks. Like, what's a uh, reasonable price? Let me see here. So give me a little bit more information on that. Uh, 2019. Right. Demo. And... Uh, uh, which which model is it though? Because the Santa the, Fe has a has a pile of different models. It's the top of the line. I, I forget which model it is exactly. Uh, is the is it the SE? You know what? I can't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you see that there is a there's a big difference between uh, uh, the, uh, the Santa Fe. So there is about I don't know seven or eight different Santa Fe's that you can get. So if without that, it's going to be very difficult. Why are you asking me? Are you looking to buy a one? Well, I'm looking to make an offer on it, yeah. Uh, which dealership are you dealing with? Um, well, it's up in uh, Pine Valley, Pineview, I think it is, yeah. Pineview? Okay, so let me see here. The Ultimate 2.0. Uh, we're going to assume that this is uh, the top, top, top of the line. Okay. And uh, I'm going to tell you here. Hold on a second. The... Um, there are six vehicles within a 50-kilometer radius from where I live, and uh, the average asking price is 44700 What are you thinking about offering? Uh, I don't know. It's on for about forty, I think. So, well, It's already a pretty good price. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's already a pretty good price. You know, why don't you call me after the show, and I'll tell you whether uh, 
I think it's a good idea whether you do it or not. The number is 905-467-0727. That is my direct home phone number. So you can call me and I'll advise you afterwards, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. No problem. Let's talk to Claudio in, uh, in Oakville. Yep, we're bringing Claudio on right now. Is, is Claudio there? Yeah, he's uh, he's here. We just have to switch the phone lines just because uh, we're a little bit tied up. All right, Claudio, you are on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, good, after, uh, good afternoon, Greg. Uh, First-time caller. How are you? I'm uh, very well, thank you. How can I help? So I was just, you know, didn't get through earlier. You guys were having a discussion about the whole shutdown and whatnot. Um, uh, I, I, I obviously, I've been working through... Uh, the pandemic, um, obviously, business is not as good as it was before. But my main uh, point here is is that, yes, I feel sorry for the businesses. You had a guy on a couple of dollars ago that um, uh, didn't want any, any um, I guess, subsidies because I know a lot of gyms were charging while um, the pandemic was going on. So my point is, I think it's up to the individuals to take responsibility to follow social distancing and uh, measures and wear masks and be vigilant themselves to ensure that the businesses can stay open because no one's getting per, per se the COVID in the gym unless someone else has it. So I'm just using that example. Uh, I see too many people walking nonchalantly on the street, um, just acting like it, like nothing's happened. So, you know, I, I, although I have little sympathy for the government, I think the government is doing what they can. Um, you know, it's always better to err on the side of caution when, when people's lives are uh, in order. Like, if you look at Italy, they've imposed the mask mandate now. You know, Cla- Claudio, I, I really appreciate your point, And, uh, you know, thank you so much for the phone call. You know, we know the government is doing what they can. The question is not that. The question is whether they're doing what they should. And uh, that is something that we all need to decide on our own here. But, folks, I got to thank you once again for listening to the Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And don't forget that uh, I live at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no-commission salespeople. If you want to carry on with this conversation, we are always back here every Saturday for the rest of the year from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. But if you want to call me, call me outside of the uh, outside of the show, 905-467-0727 is my number. Or you can come and visit me at Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan because there's something happening there at oaklenissan.com.